Hello and welcome back to the Performance University 10 Rules of Business Podcast. My name is Sean Kirby and again, I am joined by the one, the only, my father, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mike Kirby. I have drug him out of the um, complexity and monotony and busyness of tax season and made him, you know, jump back into another episode, our fifth installment, our fifth rule of business, leadership. 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 Yeah, tax season is busy, and we're certainly grateful for all of our clients, and I think we're over 100-plus new clients for the year, so we we welcome them, and we're excited to work with them. Many of them are small business owners. So Yeah, must be listening to the podcast, huh? I doubt it, but we are encouraging them to... uh, Yes. To do so. We, we ask as much as we can to, for people to support the podcast. So if you are listening and you're not a client, feel free to reach out. If you are a client and you are listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So um, the, the fifth rule of business. What's the fifth rule of business? Leadership. Leadership. What does leadership mean to you? Oh, well, um, first of all, it's probably the most written about topic Um in the last 50 years, um, I did Google this, over yeah. 15,000 published books on leadership. So clearly there is um, a lot of opinion, there's a lot of thought, and there must be a lot of money in writing books on leadership, which means there's demand from individuals and uh, folks out there that are saying, how do I become a good leader? What are the things that it takes to be a good leader? And this morning on the, uh, while I was on the treadmill, I thought, man, this is a tough topic because it goes in every direction. And what came to mind was, I think, the, the first, um, in, in one of my morning habits is, you know, I work out, but then I eat breakfast, and while I'm eating breakfast, I'm reading the Bible. And, and I was thinking, man, just the number of, leaders that were written about in the Bible is is just overwhelming, L- literally ranging from Moses all the way to Jesus Christ and then to, you know, the disciples who formed the church, uh, to King David, to King Solomon, to, and you go, well, you could just do a whole podcast just on that, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, that's not the purpose of this one. This is about business, yeah. uh, but certainly what a great reference it is to, to see how they dealt with, um, in in many circumstances, the life and death of of tribes of their individual people, and in the case of Christ, for the for the souls of all of us. But I thought, well, you can't spend a lot of time on that one, uh, other than to mention that. And then you you go from from the Bible all the way up to uh, some of the leaders that we would consider today. But it also brought to mind. Um, bad leaders and good leaders. And throughout history, uh, we could look at people who had the title of the leader or king or whatever you want to call it, and uh, they fell into one of two categories. They were either great, good-for-their-people leaders or use uh, you know Hitler as an example of uh, clearly a leader, but uh, certainly nothing or no one would want to be like that, even though in today's modern society we have our own Hitlers, um, and, and I'll leave that to interpretation to the individuals that are listening because you don't want to get into politics. But, but if you break leadership down, you could go from spiritual leaders to, you know, business leaders 
to political leaders, to, I mean, you can go military leaders, you know, scholastic leaders, all the way through it. The word leader seems to be able to apply to just about any profession, any education, anything that you have out there. But for the sake of this podcast, we used it as number five, because clearly if you're a small business owner, um, you're the leader. And what you do as the leader of your organization is going to determine the long-term success or failure of your operation. And a few things over the years that I've learned, one thing that is an undeniable truth is the speed of the leader is the rate of the pack. Now, what do I mean by that? If you are a sloth, a glutton, a drunk, a partier, if you look at your organization, it probably looks just like you. Conversely, if you are an individual who's disciplined, uh, keeps the main thing the main thing, is constantly striving to be better, is constantly striving to grow your people to be better, um, is an individual who has conviction, has um, what I would consider character, morals, that's going to reflect it. And there's an old saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And in small business, I'd say, show me the individuals that are working with you, and I'll show you the future of your organization. So um, if the speed of the leader is the rate of the pack, the first thing that you have to do is step back and go, first of all, do I show up on time? Do I um, articulate clearly the vision of the organization to where everybody can can rally behind that? Um, and I, I want to separate the, the word leader from management because they're two separate things. Uh, no doubt that the leader sometimes have to manage. But around here, I call myself, I'm not a manager. I hate management. Um, I assume as a leader that once we set the vision and we hire an individual to do a job, um, we give them the tools to do that job. We give them the system that's inspectable, transferable, and so forth, that they're going to do that job. If they don't, I sadly have to put my management hat on and uh, correct the situation. Um, the other thing that, that I learned, I started working when I was 12 years old on the farm. And I had a leader. My very first leader was a guy by the name of Terry Moore. Tough guy. He was only 20 and I was 12. And I hated him. I mean, <laughs> I just bluntly hated him. And Terry, I hope you're listening to this because we're still really close friends today. Um, but I had to grow into... Uh, a situation where I watched him work and I just tried to emulate and copy what he was doing. And we later grew into a very deep, long-lasting friendship. Um, but that brings me to the point is you never ask an individual in your organization to do something you wouldn't do yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. In today's world of technology and so forth, there are just some, th some things I'm not capable of doing because I didn't study you know, how to program, how to do certain things. But if I could do it, I would do it. Uh, I often, you know, around here, especially when you're a small business owner, if the trash needs taken out, if the toilet needs cleaned, you do it. You never ask somebody to do something you wouldn't do yourself. And to me, that's a great sign of a good leader is that they're, they're willing to jump in and get dirty just as, just as much as the person you're asking to do that themselves. Going back to the, the word vision, and in the Bible it says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. That applies to business. If you do not have a vision of where your organization is going, it's the beginning of the end. So I would suggest that if you have not, and I'm not talking about a mission statement, I'm talking 
I'm talking about where are we going? Truly, what are we trying to accomplish? And so that vision has to be very clear in your mind. Um, in, in Stephen Covey's book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he's, he talks about it. Begin with the end in mind, and you work backwards. And to me, having a clear vision is, is vital. And then you have to set the direction. Now, those are two separate things. Um, the vision is we're going here. The direction is how are we going to get there? And that one's much more moldable. That one's, I would say, fluid. Because in everyday life, um, the direction may take a different path. It doesn't mean that we're going 180 degrees from where we said we were going. But how we get there, it's kind of... Um, Lisa now has a, a new puzzle for her uh, brain aneurysm recovery that moves a ball from one side to the other. Well, the very beginning of moving that ball is you got to decide which corner of that puzzle you're going to go to. And business is the same way. Which side of the puzzle am I going to go to and start moving the ball? Now, you don't want to be one of those people that constantly changes because that's that creates a lot of confusion in your organization. But when you're in your quiet time as a leader, sitting down with a pad of paper and saying, okay, here's where we want to be, and here's the obstacles that I need to remove from my people in order to keep them moving forward, what is it that I'm going to do? And you see this in military leadership all the time because on, on the battlefield, things are constantly changing. Strategies are changing, uh, but the goal is always the same. The other one is uh, service leadership, and there's several books written on service leadership, but the most probably impactful to me is going back to the Bible is when Christ washed the feet of his disciples. Um, and he talked about that the ultimate responsibility that we have is to serve other people. And there's tremendous gratis gratification in that and satisfaction in that. But our ultimate goal is to help enough people get where they want to go, whether it's clients employees, uh, subcontractors, help them get where they want to go, and you'll always get where you want to be. So service leadership is, is tremendously uh, satisfying, and it gives you purpose. To me, service leadership is what we do in here. Uh, sometimes we do stuff and don't get paid for it. It's because we're about serving our clients, and we're about serving our, our employees and our associates. Um, the, to me, what I have to wake up every day in the organization to do is remove obstacles. So we've said where we want to go. Uh, we've clearly articulated the vision of what we're trying to accomplish. But there are going to be obstacles in the way. Now, I may not be the individual that's doing, obviously, everything in the office from a day-to-day -day basis. But what I am thinking about is how do I remove the obstacles that are in front of our people and our associates that allows them to accomplish the their goal for the day, whatever that may be. And um, I find that if I'm removing obstacles every day and getting out ahead of what I see coming at us, um, that they're helping the organization move forward. Um, the other thing is we have to embrace change and realize that, and there's a saying that says, change is inevitable, growth is optional. So I'll say that again. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Because if you don't embrace change, in fact, if you're not in today's world a change maker, a disruptor, I think is the new buzzword, 
um, you're going to find yourself behind. So, uh, you know, this week, this last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with bank failures. And um, I, I heard somebody yesterday completely blow my mind on the old banking system. You know, why do we need a bank building anymore? Why do we need the traditional bank type scenario? If all we're doing is moving money from point A to point B, borrowing money from point A to point B, is the old bank system really necessary? I, I would contend that it is, but I'm old school. Um, but clearly companies like SoFi are starting to change the, the, the paradigm to say maybe it's not as necessary as it used to be. And maybe a decade from now, the traditional corner bank doesn't even exist that everything's done online. Um, I don't pretend to, to know that we're not in the banking business, but I, I think what an interesting concept to say, maybe we don't need them at all in the traditional sense of the bank. Now, we also know that relationships are vitally important, important in small business. That's why we deal with a very small bank that's privately owned, because we like the concept that they know your name when you walk in, they, they've taken the time to understand your business. They're not just looking at you from a credit score or just a numbers basis because most small businesses need somebody to believe in them. And so I'm not ready for that dramatic change, but certainly it's an interesting concept to think about. I think that the other thing about leadership is you have to own your mistakes. Um, I've watched, I lived in the 90s, through what I would consider um, celebrity CEOs, individuals that just by the title that they had, people just had such reverence for them. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that person. It was the title that they have, which generally titles then create egos. Egos create problems. Um I, I'm not necessarily one of those guys. I, I, I like to say I left my ego at the door a long time ago, that you can say anything to me because it really doesn't matter as it, as it pertains to the vision and the direction of the organization. Um, but I think that if individuals, especially small business owners, can leave their ego at the door, that opens up so many opportunities for people to share ideas and concepts without threat or, you know, any, any repercussions for saying, hey, I think we're wrong. It opens up the door for allowing you to be better and in some many cases think of or have people think of things that you've never thought of. And to me, that's an invaluable service in the world of change that we live in. Um, and I've said this in previous podcasts, you know, the six dying words of an organization is that's the way we've always done it. Man, if you're there, you're going to be dead. Um, you know, it's it's just a, those are six dying words that you don't want anything to do with. Um, to me, I think going back to the the original part of this of of having a moral compass. Uh, sometimes we have to make decisions, and we do things that don't make us money because we have a moral compass. And the moral compass is we're always going to do the best thing we can or the right thing in any given circumstance. And sometimes, you know, the, the right thing to do is we, we didn't make money, but we did it anyway because it was the right thing to do. Um, 
the the next one is, and this is an interesting one because I, I believe we've evolved as a society as much as the news would would like us to believe otherwise, is, you know, embrace diversity. Um, we're not an organization that's so rigid to believe that, you know, and I'll even go back to the 1950s when the man's job was to go make a living and the woman's job was to stay in the house. Clearly, that was a cultural thing back then. And now I, I, we want anyone who can add value to organization to apply for an opportunity. Um, we believe that uh, diversity is, quite frankly, has been amazing for our, our organization. It's opened up new opportunities. In the Hispanic world, um, we, we just absolutely want to be that organization that culturally says, we're, we're just a cross-section of the United States. We accept and, and want to build around diversity and other people and, and other ideas and other concepts. Um, I think the win-win attitude is important as a leader, that we don't win if, if you don't win, whether that's a client or an associate. Um, our team members, we're all about making sure that they're in a position to win. And every year we do goal planning. And we ask people to sit down and we give them a, a sort of a platform. It's, it's a sheet that says, I want to do, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to I own, I want to be, I want to achieve. Just simple things. And that's both personally and professionally. And we want to know what it is they're trying to accomplish in their life. For several reasons. Number one, I believe we're in a position to help them get there. And sometimes it may not even be with us. We're not going to begrudge them if they say, I want to someday own my own shop. And and our job is to help prepare them to go do that. Now, we don't want them to steal our clients. That's a different thing. But we also know that our job is to, to help them achieve what they want to achieve. So I think a win-win attitude is vitally important. Uh, proactive and don't wait for things to happen. We want to make it happen. So, you know, in marketing especially, in today's world, in the old days, you know, you'd have your building and, you know, 30,000 cars drive by a day. That was your marketing strategy. Today, it's got to be totally different. And we've talked a lot, almost ad nauseum, of the, the Internet and its value. But you've got to have a proactive marketing plan. Where are we... If, if our vision is X, what resources are available to us that allow us to get there? And in today's world, you, you've got to be proactive. You cannot wait for it to happen. We have a couple businesses right now that we're revisiting the entire marketing strategy, knowing that they're, they, can, they can really expand and grow. But we're going to spend a little bit of money to, and be proactive to go after those dollars that are out there. Um, we want to be patient. I think being patient as a leader is not necessarily a quality or a trait that most business owners have. Um, you know, we want to we want to go kill something right now. The reality is that as a small business owner, the more patient you are, the less stress you're going to have. the um, The more time you have to think through your strategy, and being patient doesn't mean being lazy. Those are not even related. But being patient and watching people grow, um, attracting the right kind of customer versus being impatient and attracting the wrong kind of customer, um, 
you know, being very detailed in your vision so you know the difference between what's the right customer and what's the wrong customer. I think the last one, and, and this is one of those that um, I learned a long time ago in the insurance business, opportunity, environment, and money, right? So opportunity to grow personally and professionally, an environment that's fun, it's motivating, it challenges me to be better, and we all want to make money. So the last one as a leader, I would say, is make sure your people are having fun. Now, we're in the tax business. It's not a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's taxes. It's, it's things that um, nobody even likes to, uh, you know, clients go, I just can't wait to get this done. But that doesn't mean you can't joke around with them or learn more about them. And in our staff, you know, we have a lot of, I, I would say, moments of levity where, you know, any given time where maybe we all go to lunch together or we just need a break. Um, you know, a couple of things that we do in the past is we'll, I've got airsoft guns, so we'll go to our place and we'll, we'll shoot at each other with airsoft guns and have a couple beers and, you know, maybe cook out or something like that. But I, I think the environment that you build outside of, the, of your operation with your, your team members and even your clients, many of my clients are my friends and we do a lot of things together. Um, you just want to have fun. This is hard enough on a day-to-day basis that um, it can bring you down if you're not careful. And you'll, you'll focus on the, the gloom and doom instead of the fact that, man, I'm independent. I'm living the American dream. I'm, I'm able to give people opportunities that maybe they never dreamed of. And you just want to have fun. And, and to me, leadership is about creating that type of an environment that not only um, is, is in practice, but your people feel it. Your people feel everything that you're trying to accomplish. And they become so ingrained in it, it becomes their mission. They know what we're doing. They know where we're going. And, you know, you take 2021 when Lisa went and had a brain aneurysm and she and I were out for 30 days during tax season um, between you and, and the other staff members, you guys stepped up. That we didn't, we didn't really miss a beat. And that says a lot about the organization from the top down. Now, was that a leadership thing? I think it was more of a cultural thing. But kind of like in the battlefield or even use 9-11, you know, that was a major traumatic event in, the, in our organization. And just like using those two examples, you had an airplane hit a building. You probably had people, in fact, I know we had people in the United States that were in those buildings that never thought they were a leader. But in crisis, they stepped up and made it happen. The people on the airplane that crashed in Pennsylvania, many of them probably never thought of themselves as a leader, but in that crisis, they, they stepped up. But that's the character and, and I think the, the culture that you want to build in your organization that is if a tragedy happens or if, or if something unexpected happens, that other people feel comfortable they feel confident that they can step up and uh, step in and be be the leader. So I'll, I'll close it with this. The number one thing of the leader is you have to say, no one cares about my business more, more than I do. And you cannot delegate your leadership. You have to own your leadership. Um, because as soon as you start to take your eye off the ball, the rest of the organization will too. And it, it, it doesn't matter if it's the President of the United States uh, all the way down to an individual that's just getting started. 
you have to view yourself as this is my responsibility. I own this and I have to take care of it every single day. Um, build, uh, leaders build long-lasting relationships with clients and long-lasting relationships with um, team members or employees. And that is something that you have to work on every day. So leadership, and that was a very quick view of something that's been written about for thousands of years. Um, but to me, leadership is you've got to own it. And if something goes wrong, you own the mistake. If it's going right, they did it. Your team members did it. I've been watching the basketball tournament here, and it's funny culturally to see um, some some basketball teams are going beyond what they imagined they could do. And the, the coach comes off uh, and gives in, goes into his uh, news caster his review of the game and he not once the good leaders not once take credit for it it's about the team um to me that's that's the sign of a good leader that if we win you did it if we lose i did it if we do okay we did it so i think if you can just take that and own it you're going to be a great leader beautiful um, one closing remark I would add is something that you have said pretty much my whole life. And that's pretty much how I, I, when I jump in, I just like tell you things that you've told me that you forgot to say during this. Um, leaders are readers and readers are leaders. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, well, you're absolutely right. I think I've said that in previous, uh, podcasts, but I probably have, at any given time, five books on my nightstand. Uh, we have a vast library on management leadership. Um, and it, many times I've read them two or three times because you give it a couple years and you want to go back to it. But nobody knows everything. But my goodness, you talk about the most written about subject um, almost on the planet is leadership. There are so many books out there. And what I do is I, I never loan books. I buy books and give them to people because I don't get them back anyway. And I love to highlight right in the margins and things like that. So if you don't have a good leadership book, um, I suggest you you reach out there. You look, obviously, on Amazon. If you put in leadership, it's, it's vast. It's vast. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the best books you gave me, and it, and it wasn't even something I, I was thinking about at the time was that John Maxwell um, daily devotional leadership book. And it's one of those things where it's a, obviously it's a daily devotional. So every single day there's a new phrase. Um, part of it's biblical, part of it's leadership based. And both both are, are nice things to have, even if you just kind of go back and read through them one day at a time. It's like a seminar. You know, it, it, the, the old saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You never know when you're reading just a chapter, what's going to jump out of you, jump out at you because your mind was ready to accept it, where you might have read it three or four times before and you just weren't in that spot, and now you are, and all of a sudden you, man, that's exactly what I needed today. So, yeah, pick up, pick up books. Never stop reading. Never stop learning. Never stop learning. Keep listening to the podcast. Thank you, guys. We love you. Bye.